Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hey everyone, welcome back to the second Strictly Hoop Talk 2-pack division preview. Uh, This set of of division previews will be for the Central Division Now, which you're listening with James Edwards of The Athletic. And the other one released simultaneously is Philip Rossman Rake of Lockdown Magic doing the Southeast Division preview. Now, I won't make this intro long because I, I did on the other one, but basically this one... Since there's only two teams, uh, James and I go a little bit more in-depth on Milwaukee and Indiana, considering those are the only two teams that are actually entering the bubble in this division. So before I start today's podcast, I just want to do some quick housekeeping. So of course, if you have not, check out the Southeast Division preview, which dropped the same time with Philip Rossman Rake. And then last week, I dropped the Atlantic and Pacific Division preview podcast with my guys, Lior Kozai and Tim, a.k.a. Cranchis McBasketball of the Basketball Index. Uh, Also, I teased this on the Southeast pod, so in case you're listening to this one first, uh, my hip-hop fans, I got a lot of great content coming. Um, I'm working on this massive, massive uh, conglomerate. This is is an amazing hip-hop panel that I'm that I'm getting together for this amazing discussion. I won't reveal the topic yet. I'll keep that all a surprise, but just know that I'm going to have a group of awesome hip-hop media members coming together all to discuss this topic that that I came up with. And um, I think it's going to be a really interesting one. I think it's very timely. I think it's something that um, everyone that hears it will will definitely, it, it will make you, it will make you think and that's the kind of content I like to make, especially on the hip-hop side. So please stay tuned for that. Also, if you do not already, please follow me on all of the social medias, Twitter and Instagram mainly. Those are the two best platforms to keep up with me and my content. And that is at Real Chris Platty, C-H-R-I-S-P-L-A-T-T-E. I know you know how to spell real. Without further ado, I'm going to toss it to the intro music. And we're going to get James Edwards back on the podcast for the second time. Very excited to dive in with this guy. It's my favorite Piston writer. There's a lot of people that do a great job covering the Detroit Pistons. And he is among the cream of the crop. So I'm excited to have him back on the podcast for the second time. So let's get going. everyone welcome back to strictly hoop talk as always i'm your host chris platty and joining me on the podcast once again i had him on the central division preview so you know i had to have him back on the central division bubble preview whatever we're calling this james edwards of the athletic my favorite piston writer james how you doing i'm doing well man appreciate you having me on as always uh yeah this is a, a weird time time for for bubble talk Obviously, the Pistons are not involved, but uh, there's 22 other teams to talk about, so I'm excited. 
Yeah, and I'm excited too because this is the this is the division that has the least amount of teams in the bubble. It only has two, Indiana right. and Milwaukee. So we'll be diving into that. But before I get to that, I just want to quickly shout out your uh, fantastic piece on the Athletic earlier this month on Isaiah Magic Gervin, the Detroit the Detroit Church Gym that became the birthplace of legends. That's the title of it. That was a really good read. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, we worked on that for like. Shoot, since uh, what's my April? Yeah, just trying to get interviews, talk about St. Cecilia, which is if you're a hoops fan, probably at a certain age, you, you might have heard about St. Cecilia, this church in uh, Detroit that kind of housed some of the most famous pickup runs in the country, very similar to Rucker Park. So, yeah, I've shed some light on that, and it, it turned out really well. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. So let's jump to Indiana. We'll start there, and then we'll go to Milwaukee. We'll just go by standings. And Indiana, 39-26 and 26 on the season when we stopped. Now, as of, right, as of right now, as we're recording this, there is no official word on Oladipo. It sounds like through Shams and um, just from the, the people that I've, that I've talked to and, and just follow on the internet seem to say that seem to lead that Victor is likely coming back, but it's not certain. So, so that's kind of an up in the air is where do you want to go with Indiana first? Do you want to go with the, Oh, do we want to talk about how Indiana looks with Oladipo without Oladipo? Where do, where do you want to go first? Yeah. I mean, I think with Oladipo is probably the most interesting one, right? Like we know what they look like without him. Um, and it's still a really good basketball team, but when you get back one of the best, I don't know, if it would be safe to say top 20 players in the NBA, uh, that changes things. But obviously he's not going to be 100%. Like he hasn't played basketball in a long, long time. Um, so for him to to come back, I, I don't think it'll be as beneficial maybe as it, as it appears for Indiana because you're going to have to work him back in. He's probably going to be rusty. You're going to have him on a time limit. It might throw off kind of the flow, but I mean, maybe it works because the flow has been thrown off from the pandemic in general. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's one of the best players in the league. So anytime you get one of those guys back, uh, that helps. But like, you just kind of got to see how players play after this hiatus. Um, and then you can kind of maybe determine if, if Indiana is one of those teams that it benefited them because they're able to kind of work in their star player and and maybe build some rapport yeah exactly and with Victor Oladipo you know he came back earlier in January and was struggling with um with with shooting percentages were were mainly the biggest thing shooting percentages and turnovers were both uh were both extremely low well turnovers high um shooting percentages very low and it, it it seemed like there was a lot of rust and a lot of working. Um, and then Victor Oladipo even talk even the decision of Victor Oladipo to originally not play was uh, was very telling because it shows that hey you know I was never really fully healthy when I came back and I still all these months later still am not sure if I'm if I'm fully healthy. So, so that's a very telling thing for me when it comes to Victor Oladipo. But I do think, like you said, that it is it is good if they can play because despite him being potentially rusty, 
Uh, Indiana's got a lot of decisions to make, and Victor Oladipo's pretty much at the core of it, right? Like, you got to figure out the Sabonis-Turner fitting, and they've been evaluating that all season. But really, it it matters how Sabonis, Turner, and Oladipo fit, right? Like that's the that's the that's the core of the team, and also the guys like Malcolm Brogdon that you added in free agency are very important. So there's I was listening to Lockdown Indiana Pacers, and they were talking about this, and they were speaking on how just this season if Victor Oladipo does come back which right now he's just doing he's doing five on fives and so there's seems to be a strong belief that he is going to come back if Victor Oladipo does end up coming back uh it'll be very beneficial for that reason just they might not win more games with Victor Oladipo because like you said there might be rust and there might be a little it might shake up the fluidity of the team but it will allow them to somewhat get maybe a hopefully clear picture on what the the core of their team looks like moving forward. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, uh, I mean, they have, like you said, they have a decision to make soon on Oladipo. Um, so do they, do they want to risk over, I don't know, over, overusing him? Um, do they want to risk putting him in situations where he could nag himself some more? Like, it's just, he becomes a free agent soon, um, and I mean, it's hard to get those type of guys to Indiana, and I'm sure they want him to be as healthy as possible to to kind of build on what they started a few years back. Yeah, and I think something that should be in the on the minds of every team that has a star player uh, is the Kevin Durant situation, right? Like, you know, they brought it seems it seems to be like they brought him back too soon. And that's what that's what caused his injury. Now you're gonna get you're gonna get sides pushing back and forth on that on that narrative. But um, you know that's something that's a very real possibility. And especially with Oladipo talking about how this is an injury that nobody has really experienced before, and so at least on a star level, a star player level. So right. that's something that again is. Uh, is a very serious and and something you got to just walk the tightrope and really just and really just figure it out how to thread that needle perfectly without bringing him back soon enough so that you can get him in game shape for for next year and also and also just helping him uh being the best you can in the present and also kind of getting a chance to see what the long-term future could potentially look like no exactly i agree uh, okay, so what's another interesting Indiana thing that you that you're looking forward to as they come back to play basketball? Uh, let's see. I mean, the the one thing that that, that interests me is kind of, I, I mean, obviously the the pairing of Turner and Sabonis mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's overarching and has been a kind of the point of emphasis for fans of of the game to watch uh, over the last. I mean, for however long they've been playing together, um, they don't seem to really mesh together too well. Uh, both talented players individually. Um, Turner obviously was one of the guys I was a little hesitant for the restart, so you wonder how locked in he is. Um, yeah, I mean that that front court pairing. If they can never figure that out, whether it's they can figure out how to use Sabonis and Turner better together, or move one of them to bring in a better piece that that fits what they're trying to do. Um, a little more seamlessly 
I, I mean, that pairing is, is super intriguing because they have trade value with one of the, with both of those guys. Um, and it's, it's worked because they've won, but it could be better. So, um, I guess Turner, how locked in he is. Um, and then if McMillan has found ways to, and I, I don't want to say get it to work because again, they've been winning games, but I guess make it use the most of what you have, um, mm-hmm. and, get, and get the best out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Sabonis and Turner is interesting for the fact that um, Sabonis has really, really taken a leap this year, a fantastic leap, and uh, Turner's kind of had an up-and-down year, uh, especially especially shooting the ball. He's had, a lot of, he's had a lot of games where he has eight points and four blocks, so, you know, he's, he's making his presence felt on defense, but not necessarily on offense. And the interesting thing about Sabonis and Turner is throughout the season, they do have a positive net rating together. Right. And so it is, again, like you said, working to some extent, but it definitely feels like each player is slightly diminishing the other's value when they're on the court together. So it, this is going to be really interesting to me, and that's exactly what I had as my interesting thought for Indiana was – just watching them in the playoffs, I think, is going to give us a totally different, uh, a totally different perspective on them. Because in the regular season, I mean, I'm of the belief. I don't know if you are, James, but to me, the last couple years, there's just shown to be such a massive, massive divide between regular season and playoffs more than I can ever remember in in NBA basketball. And so it gets hard uh, to me. It, it almost gets harder and harder to evaluate the regular season each year because there's things you can do in the regular season, like if you just play at a ridiculously fast pace, or things of that nature that you can that can get you by to winning 40, 50 games. But then come playoff time, you know, does it really work? And and another case of that is Houston with the heavy isolation. So, you know, there there's just such a it's just such a divide between playoff and regular season basketball that although Sabonis and Turner have wielded good results in the regular season, I'm a little bit skeptical come postseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I, as much as I like that team, they're just they're missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not in that. I don't think anybody ever goes into the postseason, no matter what Indiana does in the regular season, thinking they're going to actually be serious, serious threats. Um, they're a team that plays hard, plays fundamentally sound. Um, they have an identity, and when you play against teams like that in the regular season, it's easy to, to for them to kind of rack up a bunch of wins if they have good players, which they do, um, because you just know what you're going to get each and every night pretty much from, the, from that group, and you get different teams coming in, good teams, bad teams, um, just the way that the schedule works. Those, those teams that are fundamentally sound in – have and know and are fairly consistent on a night-to-night basis. Those are the teams you see have success in the regular season. Um, as far as playoffs, I mean, teams are planning uh, for one opponent. Um, you know what you need to shut down. There's just much more of an emphasis on that team and that team only. Uh, you're not thinking about the game after or the game before like the regular season. So aside from kind of have, missing one more piece for Indiana, I, I think that just that's another thing that hurts them is – they're they're talented they're good they're not great um and so when they come up against 
those upper echelon teams in a playoff series where that's their singular focus, obviously they're at a bit of a disadvantage. Exactly, and that's where Victor Oladipo becomes so important because he's the one player that can, on this roster, transcend, right, and and take over the game when he's when he's fully healthy. Now, obviously, that's not something that I'm expecting him to do this season because I'm of the mindset with you that if he comes back, he will be rusty. Um, he will be, you know, he will be working himself into game shape, and he can get he could get pretty pretty good and pretty back into Oladipo form but I don't expect full Oladipo form until until next season so um let's jump to Milwaukee actually so Milwaukee 53 and 12 on the season Giannis seems to be the runaway for MVP and for defensive player of the year although LeBron was kind of starting to to shift the narrative right before the season went down with big wins over Milwaukee and the Clippers but uh, Milwaukee's looked fantastic this season in the regular season. They've dominated. I know you and I went back to our podcast. Uh, you and I both discussed Malcolm Brogdon's impact, and you know I kept bringing up the the idea of if George if George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Dante Divincenzo, Eric Bledsoe can all form together to replace about eighty percent of Malcolm Brogdon's value. Uh, that, then they won't skip a beat in the in the regular season, and that's kind of what's happened. But to me, that's where I start with the most interesting thing is now that playoff time is coming for Milwaukee. This is to me the true test of uh, of how much the Bucks will miss Malcolm Brogdon's impact. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And my number one point kind of plays into this is the the Eric Bledsoe situation. What are you going to get yeah. in the playoffs? Like that's. The guy's been kind of no shows um, when they when they need him most, um, and they have a deep team, a solid team. Uh, so, but you would kind of Brogdon would have been perfect, uh, especially last year, I think, for them. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, not last year, but uh, throughout the regular season, in terms of preparing for this moment, preparing for the playoffs, they needed. I, I, they need a point guard who they can rely on. And I'm not sure Eric Bletz was a good point guard defensively solid. It's just, he can really disappear from games. And I think you saw that really, um, during the playoffs. I, again, I think a lot of guys have to come together on that bench for them to really, um, show how dominant they are. I think that's what makes them special as somebody that covered the Pistons when they lost to Milwaukee last year, watching them, and seeing Milwaukee four times a year in the regular season, the team is just deep. They had 11 guys that you would call good NBA basketball players, and that's kind of that's hard to find um, in, t- in today's game. And they're deep. Uh, I question if Eric Bledsoe's the, the right piece there uh, mm-hmm. to get them over the hump. But, I mean, that's really my only concern. I think Milwaukee's a great team. They play – I like their, their philosophies on both ends of the floor. Um, Giannis, to me, is the best player in the league right now. Uh, or at least most dominant, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I, there's nothing really that that worries me about Milwaukee outside Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, I I agree, I agree, I, and that's why, and that and that's what I expressed in the in the preseason podcast, and that's what I've continued to think throughout the season is just you know Milwaukee's been playing great, and they've they've all there's been a lot of improvement across the board among a lot of players. Brooke Lopez has gotten better at defending the rim. Giannis has gotten better. 
Um, you know, Dante DiVincenzo's obviously taken a huge step up. So for the most part, the each one of the players on the roster has internally improved, and you're hoping that that can offset Malcolm Brogdon's departure. But now is the time to find out because, you know, like you said, Eric Bledsoe has a very sketchy playoff resume. And, you know, if he disappears, it's going to put a lot on the shoulders of George Hill, who is a who is a 34-year-old guard, you know. And then, then it's going to also put a lot on the shoulders of Dante DiVincenzo, who's only 23. So you have the extremes of both. You're putting a, a, a heavier load on an older on older guards and younger guards. Um, they don't. Milwaukee doesn't have a lot of a lot of those guards that are just that are, you know, in that in that middle age where they're seasoned. Um, they're seasoned, but they're still in. Uh, but they're still in their game shape. I mean, George Hill is the best example of that. But George Hill is a is a 34 year old guard with with problematic injury history. So. There's a lot riding on Eric Bledsoe, I agree. And that's why I started to, as the season progressed, I started to shift towards the Lakers as far as my, as far as my, my pick to win it all because I just I, I grew more and more skeptical as the season went on despite Milwaukee being the best half-court defense, despite them being number one in rebounding, number one in points, and, you know, a top-ten assist team like, they they check all the boxes that say they're they're real contenders, but you know I just think come playoff time, I really have a, a, a deep struggle, and I don't know if you do, James. And this goes to a bigger conversation of the Eastern Conference, and you know I think you and I both expressed a lot of interest in Philly earlier in the season, and Philly has been a mess, and it it's just here we are now come playoff time or almost playoff time in the East and Milwaukee seems like the default answer but again they lost one of their who was probably their third best player in the playoffs last season so it just comes down to a situation where I'm I'm not really that confident in any of the Eastern Conference playoff teams as far as being a being a championship contender to those LA teams yeah I mean I yeah I wouldn't argue that I like Milwaukee simply because they know what they are. Mm-hmm. They have a dominant force in Giannis. They have a great second fiddle in, in Chris Middleton. Um, they they get it done on both sides of the ball. I think they're hungry. I think that's something that's not being talked about as much right now, maybe just because it's still the down period. But I think they could be as hungry as any team in the bubble mm-hmm. uh, because of just the – you kind of – your team takes on the – kind of the character of your leader and Giannis just seems like a different beast when it comes to hunger kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve on the court um I I think that's gonna I think that team's gonna be ready to go um yeah from the get from the get-go um I do think like I I I think the one thing the team's missing and we talked about with Bledsoe they need another elite kind of dribble penetrator creator um Chris Middleton's a great great second wing or second fiddle uh but he's not that and Bledsoe is just too inconsistent um you need somebody that can take some of the pressure off Giannis especially now you can you, you, it's not as terrifying letting him space the floor and, and let somebody else take the ball and put him on the put him in the corner I mean he's his three-point shot needs work but it's gotten a lot better um so I I, I just think they're I, that's another team I just think is a piece away and specifically at the point guard position even if they would have went after like 
Derrick Rose uh, at, yeah. at the deadline. Like, I think somebody like that would have helped. It would have taken away from them defensively. Uh, but I think they're good enough defensively, and Bledsoe's a big part of that. But just to have another guy that they could throw out there in late-game situations that can create for himself, create for – well, Derrick's not the greatest creator for others, but create for himself, dribble drive, um, just another force. I think they need they need another freight train. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest concern. Yeah, they they definitely need somebody that can uh, just you can give the keys to the offense for a couple minutes. Yeah. You know when when Giannis needs a break because that's the the thing about Giannis. You know, going back to their their playoffs last year, um, you know everybody was like, oh, you know Giannis should be playing like forty minutes a game. Like this is do or, do or die in these series, and he. Bud kept him at, you know, 36, 38 minutes until the very last game. I think he ended up playing 40. But that's because Giannis plays a very, very intense 36, 38, 40 minutes. Like when he's out there, he's not um, he's not taking a, a rest. He's shouldering the offense and a lot of the defense all game. So both sides of the ball, he's not really resting. And that's where a Derrick Rose or... Um, or, or somebody like that comes into play, somebody that Giannis can just, okay, e- either go on the bench or Giannis can stay in and Derrick Rose can just, you know, be that guy for a couple minutes, for three, four minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that, that, that would have been a benefit to them. Uh, but clearly they think that they have a team that can go do it without it, without that type of player, so I'm, I'm curious to see. Yeah, I'm very curious to see, and we'll be seeing soon. You know, we're... As we're recording this, we're less than a week away from uh, from games picking back up, and then the season starting uh, a week after that, July 31st. So, James Edwards, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, my guy. I always appreciate you. Always appreciate your perspectives, our conversations on and off the microphone. I really just appreciate the work that you do uh, covering the Pistons. You you do it excellent, and I look forward to our to our next podcast. Yeah, man, I appreciate all that. Uh, means a lot. Keep on doing what you're doing, man. You're, you you got some good ideas brewing, and I, I look forward to checking them out, man. Thanks again. Thank you, James. I'll talk to you later. Yep, later, man. All right. Thank you.